All right. So, Pastor Nathan, why don't you come join us? And uh, I want to, as we get started, I want to, we're going to get into some serious, deep spiritual questions. But first, I want to ask you just a first, a couple of just questions about gators and uh, just to get an idea of what you do. Uh, how many gators at the peak moment, what's the most gators you've ever had on your farm at one time? This guy actually don't know what he's talking about. We raise armadillos and possums. <laughs> Who would like to see some pictures of some alligators and some alligator eggs and alligator farming? Raise your hand. All right, so we got a couple people with phones. I'm actually going to use my phone, my son's wife, daughter-in-law, and we just pass them around. And you actually could just, it's a photo out, and you just sit there and look at some of the pictures and then show it to other people. Appreciate it. How many armadillos do you have on your farm? Armadillos. We got a pair. And if they're really productive, we're going to have then a few more. We actually raise alligators. We've been in the alligator business now for about 36 years. And God has blessed us to where we're the largest alligator farm in the world. Actually, the largest crocodilian farm in the world. And at any given time, we have approximately about 250,000 alligators on the farm. Now, what's so unique about that is we live in Louisiana. The entire state of Louisiana back in the early 70s when alligators was on the endangered species list, there was only 100,000 in the entire state. Now, because of the success of the program, there's actually over 3 million in the state of Louisiana. Wow. All right. Have you ever been bitten by an alligator? A couple times. Uh, so everything we do, we do by hand, manual labor. Every alligator, we go out, we get the eggs. And even on the farm, we catch all the alligators by hand. We don't stun them. We don't do anything. They're in a pen with some water and some tables, and we go in and we just catch them by hand. And that's how we move them and how we work them is one at a time, just grab them and get it done. All right, all right. Well, so... If you have questions about just gators later after the workshop, you can see Nathan, and he'd be glad to answer those. But, Nathan, I, I think that over the few years that we've gotten to know each other, one of the things I hear you often talk about is the power of saying yes, that you it, it's sort of in your uh, vocabulary that you just talk that, hey, I'm just open, and whatever God says, I say yes and, and I hear your team talking about yes, and just like to hear where that came from and how it has made a difference in your life and uh, maybe what, what kind of is the anchor point for you with saying yes. As he said, not only we didn't rehearse these, I didn't have a clue of anything he was going to say, which is an interesting question. I'm 57 years old. Raised out in the woods, in the country, in a very little small town. Raised strawberries, peppers, cucumbers, shrimp. Everything's working off the ground and the waters. Dad was a workaholic. And within that, instilled that in his children. But also, I'm a kind of godaholic. Every time church doors was open, we was there. And we had a, I was taught, 
put God first. But what ended up happening was, end up, I just had a relationship with the building, with the congregation. And we did a lot at the church. But on the other hand, where I failed is I didn't have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And in that process, learning about God and learning to say yes um, was a key component in my life. Because in the Bible, it don't matter if it was Abraham, Noah. I do Noah. He's pretty obedient to build a boat out in the middle of the desert when it ain't never rained before. But it encouraged me to a point to say yes. Now, wait. I said 57. For about 54 years, I said, when I get to it, maybe, possibly. Well, yes, I'd do that. Um, Sometimes I did, sometimes I didn't. I had great intentions, but then I come to a point to be fully submitted and fully obedient. And then it comes to a point when God said something, then there wasn't a choice but to say yes and then to do it then. Not later, not when I wanted to, when I got around to it. And when God said, uh, you're going to be a pastor, I didn't say yes. I said, I don't think so. And that was about a year ago. And in that process of God chasing, pursuing conviction, and you know, we got different age people here, and each one will have a different situation, a different life. But I do want to encourage you, when the Holy Spirit convicts you to do something, the answer is yes. And to do that, because it's the greatest reward you'll ever have in your life, the greatest blessing you'll ever have in your life, is to be obedient when God calls you. Every one of you have a purpose. You're here. God has a purpose for you. But we have a choice. We have free will. That's yes, no, maybe procrastinate I don't live life with a lot of regrets can't do nothing about the past I have no control of the future but if I have one regret that I would say is I missed out on saying yes and what God would have had in store to said yes years ago so I'm looking at a lot of youth. Don't miss the opportunity to say yes. God will change your life by you just being obedient. And I'm pretty sure the, your story is being written today. Don't miss out. Because you have the opportunity to be the Noah, to be the Abraham. So... All right. I, uh, I don't know if you, in one of our meetings, you told me a story about uh, purchasing another farm. And God told you to do something that was so against anyone's thinking. 
Can you share that today, or is that l limited to what is what you can share? Just maybe not with the specific details, but the fact that God asked you to do something more than the person was even asking. I share part of that. Okay. I said something about this yesterday. The CEO of Chase Bank had interest of coming to the Gator Farm. They were down in New Orleans, and all of the senior executives, they come up to the farm, went out on the airboats and picked up some alligator eggs. I suspect your youth leaders, your parents, and individuals that are sitting here that might be older, uh, got a little bit more water under the bridge. You're taught truth, integrity, and is a key component of life. I believe God calls us as Christ followers. I didn't say Christians. As Christ followers to go beyond what I must say, the standards. The standards of humans, the standards of being good. I believe he calls us to be godly. So I had opportunity to buy an, a complete alligator form that was repossessed by the bank for $95,000. The bank said, here's a title. I knew the owner of the farm. And I knew what was godly, what was righteous, and what would be holy for that person. So I went to that person, and I said, the bank said they foreclosed on you. So how much do you want for your alligator farm? Now, wait, the bank already told me it's yours for 95000 And he said, man, I got some apartments I got debt on. I got some other things going on. And to make me debt-free, $650,000. Now, wait, the bank doesn't give it to me. Whew, that's a big difference. Business says, stick with the bank. Thank you, sir. I got me another alligator farm. I said, okay. Now, the Bible gives us the answers to all the questions. But they don't, the Bible don't say what to do on an alligator deal. Fair square, 95000 I don't owe that guy anything, but I didn't know of him. The farm was empty and had no alligators on it whatsoever. But I believe because of doing above and beyond the right thing, God blessed it in a way that literally within six months after that I valued it at 14 million the farm was still empty it wasn't worth 600,000 was not worth 600,000 it was a rundown trashy rusty buildings 
but God blessed it and honored it because I believe we went above and beyond the call of business and sold a large portion of it. But it's not about money because money, no matter what you might think, what you might hurt, money's a tool, just like a vehicle, just like anything else. God gives it to you for you to use to enlarge the kingdom. We don't own nothing as Christ followers. The breath we took, the exhale you just did. Got to give that to you. Everything we have. Because if we have it, we're going to hold it right here. But if it's God's, wait, it was given to us, so it's easier to give away. With your hands open, you don't hold on to anything. So I don't know who that's for, but the Holy Spirit just said said that. All right. Well, thank you, Pastor Nathan. I, I, um, One of my favorite stories in the Bible comes from Joshua chapter 17. And it's a, a little bit of an unfamiliar story. But it's the part where Caleb had, 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 Joshua and Caleb had gone into the promised land as the original spies. And, and Caleb had saw this mountain of God and said, hey, I want that mountain. Is exactly what he said. I want the mountain. So years after battles and struggles, they then, then get to where Caleb says, hey, don't forget me. I want, the, uh, I want my inheritance that Moses promised me. Now, Moses is gone. And Joshua says, okay, you can have it, but you've got to take out the army that's there. I'm going to take the long story and make it short. Uh, so Caleb makes a deal. It says to any warrior that can go up and take this city, this fortified city in the mountain, I will give you my daughter as, a, as the prize. You're going to win my daughter. So this one warrior goes in, Athenial, he battles, he takes the city, comes back. Hey, Caleb, look what I did for you, man. I got... I took the city, and by the way, I'm looking for your daughter's hand in marriage. And so Caleb fulfilled his agreement, and he gave Othiniel and his daughter a wedding gift of the valley, a beautiful land to farm, to raise their kids, to expand on. He gave it to him, and Athenial's daughter comes back. I mean, Caleb's daughter comes back, and she says, Thanks, Dad. I appreciate it. She comes back from the honeymoon. First, she tries to get her husband to go talk to his new father-in-law, but he says, no way. It's up to you. You go negotiate. So she goes to her dad. Her dad sees she's upset, and she says, Dad, uh, I thank you for the field. Thank you for the wedding gift, but now I'm going to ask you for more. I don't want to just settle for what this part. I want the wells, too. So I want the valley, and I want the wells. And... Uh, I just, when I think about that passage, I think about sometimes in life, we, God blesses us and we get the field and we're like, okay, this is good. I like it. I'm settled. But then I like something about this lady, this girl, this daughter, this wife that said, I'm not settling for that. There's something more. And I think in you, Nathan, I, when I'm with you, I think there's something that says, you know, I could just settle to be an alligator farmer. I could just settle to have a, a nice house and nice car and nice life and travel the world with my family. But you're not settled for that. You said, I want all that God has for me. And, and, uh, and when I'm watching you, I watch you go to the hardest 
places in the world. I see you go underneath bridges and spend hours with the homeless. I've seen you working with the refugees coming out of Ukraine in Poland. I was there. I've seen you go to California and serve the homeless. I have seen you in our city and in New Orleans and Baton Rouge caring. And it's every single day of your life, it's like you're telling me, I don't have to do this. I get to do it. It's like something in you that says, I could have settled for this, but I went for everything. And God has obviously blessed in all of the ministry opportunities. And I think even as uh, as a businessman, you could have said, well, I'm going to send I'm going to send Josiah to go do that. I'm going to send this missionary, and I'll support 100 works. But no, instead, you personally, every single day that I, I'm watching you, you roll up your sleeves, and you go and love people and care for people. Nathan's whole church is filled. Just a few weeks ago, I think in one week, they saw 100 people give their lives to Christ. Over 100 people give their lives to Christ. Every, almost every week, there's people being baptized, and this church is filled and uh with those who are really hurting and broken and those that you normally wouldn't think of as like, hey, these are the guys, the people I want in my church. And he says, I want these people that God loves. And so I love this passion that you have that says, I don't have to, I get to. Can you kind of talk about that a little bit? If you ever get anybody to interview, find somebody else because he got really hard questions. <laughs> So I like participation. I mean, you're out here in the middle of the woods. You want to participate? So what's the difference? Did they drag you here? Did you have to come here to let's no, you didn't? No. So what's the difference if you say I got to or if you say I get to? What's the difference in between that? Um, I don't know. Maybe got to means they're going to drag you. You've got to go. You've got to go to school. But you get to come all the way to number one and be part of alligators, God, and gators. That's pretty cool, huh? Yeah. So, I got to go to work. I got to go to church this morning. So, I'm going to ask you. I'm going to change his subject a little bit. How you doing? You're doing good. What about you? Good. Interesting. Nathan Wall. Nice to meet you. How you doing, sir? Doing well. Doing well. Cool. Where's the sunshine? Show me some sunshine. I'm going to pick you and then right over there. Nice Cooper, Nathan yep. Wall. Nice, nice to, meet to meet you. you. How are you doing today, buddy? Doing pretty good today. Yeah, pretty good. Aha, uh -huh. you didn't know it was going to be you, huh? <laughs> <laughs> uh, Mandy, nice to meet you. I'm Nathan. Nice to meet you, Nathan. How are you doing? I'm great. Woo! So, you know, we got a lot of replies, and that's typically the replies we have here in America. Well, sometimes you up north and you say hey, how you doing they just keep walking <laughs> in the south we say yes ma'am yes sir all them replies all great replies 
But out of every reply, none of them indicated that you're a Christ follower. You get another try. Nobody actually asked me, how am I doing? So I'm blessed. Every single time somebody asks me, first of all, it's God morning, God afternoon. Well, wait, God morning. What's that mean? I mean, I believe there's a God. But why don't we say, now, he's going to get another try. How you doing, sir? George. Nathan Wall, how you doing? I'm, I'm blessed. Woo! Put it up there, Judge. Blessed. Now, wait. Does blessed say I'm a Christian? Not necessarily. But you would be amazed at what it does to people's face. What it does there when you say, I'm blessed. They say, whew, that's a good one. Thank you for sharing that this morning. i am not had nobody respond like that today. But what it does say is, let's see, I'm blessed. It says you're different. I believe you're chosen and you're set apart. I believe there's people here that could be the governor of this state if they chose to, and following God and being obedient. There is nothing you can't accomplish, no matter how old you are or how young you are. There is nothing that you can't accomplish through God. So in that, I believe each day I wake up that God's got a miracle that I get the opportunity to experience. Now, that's a miracle. Wait, that's back in the Bible. No, that's the same God we serve today. He said, I'm a pastor. God called me to be a pastor a year ago. Pastor's not speaking today. Nathan Wall. A man, well, wait, a man of God, but not as a pastor. I'm talking to you as somebody that don't be like me. The guy at Chase, he said, we've been to India, and we work with children that are orphans, drill water wells in Kenya, and partner with them. Went to Poland, the refugees of Ukraine. Went to Belarus, just got back. Worked with the homeless. We have a women's home that's a recovery home for women coming out of prisons and jails and drugs. But he said, what do you want your legacy to be? That was a good question. You, get, you got that question? <laughs> so the head guy at Chase said, what do you want your legacy to be? Somebody else asked the question at the same time. I didn't answer the question. So later, I come back, and I said, I don't want them to remember me because I'm a nobody. I'm a nothing. I want them to remember Jesus Christ. So I'm going to word it this way. If you was your only way to make a living, the only way to buy them tennis shoes, the only way to buy that game or that iPhone, was to promote Jesus Christ. And the only way you could have food on the table was promoting Jesus Christ. Could you feed yourself?
I believe that we're spirits inside of a body. And we feed our body. You ate good this morning, dude? Oh, you ate good this morning? Yes, I did. So how many times a day do you put something up to your mouth? Throughout the day, a bottle of water. How many times do you think? I don't know if I'll ever see you again. I'm going to do this. And please don't kill me. <laughs> How many times? <laughs> <laughs> Got to get behind the speaker. So likely time you drink a bottle of water and you eat, and you do that two or three times a day, a hundred times you put something up. Uh, watch him. 21. Something up to your mouth. How many times a day do you feed your spiritual body? And when that warfare comes and that spiritual warfare comes, Satan and his demons slash something that's not positive, something that draws us down, are we strong enough to fight it off? Are we strong enough to win the battle, to stay up here, to stay righteous, to stay holiness, to give it all, to give God your best? Put him first. That is a very difficult challenge every day. But you start the moment your eyes open. And not just talking to God. Listen for him to talk back to you. Say, I don't hear God. Your relationship with God, because if you have a relationship it's not just one person speaking two people talking so taking time to just spend time with god and just listening now wait that might be 30 minutes and not saying a word and just listen and see what god has to say when you read your scriptures you pray beforehand and you ask him to speak to you through the scriptures even Is your story worthy enough to be in the Bible? And that drives me. And the other thing that drives me is I know that there's souls going to hell every day. And I want to do everything within my power that God and through the Holy Spirit has given me that I ain't tripping nobody getting there that I'm grabbing them and bringing them. So who are you bringing with you to heaven? We do an amazing job of feeding our children and our grandchildren and our friends. But how good do we feed them about the Holy Spirit, God, heaven? You got the cure for eternity. If I had to cure for cancer, and you had cancer, and we got to meet each other, and you dying of cancer, 
and I didn't tell you about it, I'd be a, that's not very nice, would it be? But you got the cure for eternity. Mm. You got the cure for eternity. And are you sharing it with the ones that are dying and going to hell? I want to challenge you today to share the cure for eternity with everyone you get opportunity to do. But wait, you can't do that like this. You can't do that like, huh, it's hot today. But you can do it by, I'm blessed. Is there anything I could pray with you about? You talking about changing somebody's life? We give free food out on Saturdays. We hold up signs, free food. A guy that God is blessed that has no financial needs holding up a sign that says free food in his hometown. I got it says, we'll pray for you. There's people come in and say, we don't want no food. We just won't be prayed for. The same thing you can do at school. Maybe when you go spend a night with somebody. Youth. Is there anything I can pray with you about? Is there anything I can pray for you about? You say, I ain't going to pray out loud. I believe when you get bold, and we're going to pray today, that you have the boldness of John the Baptist, that you share what God's done in your life, and then also take that moment to pray for somebody. But wait, praying, I don't like that word pray. How about a conversation with God? How about talking to God just like you talk to anybody else? Because he should be your best friend. And in your best friend, you're really comfortable talking with your best friend. So just have a conversation with God. But when Satan says there's things you can't do or something you can't accomplish, let him know you're fighting from victory, not from defeat. Good, good word. I, um, you mentioned when we started that your father was a workaholic. And I first met you seven years ago, and I probably would have left that first meeting and would have described you. As a workaholic, and um, but now, today you're a different man, and uh, see, there's been a shift in your heart, your thinking, the way that you do life, um, and what happened? Where where did that change come from? What inspired that change? Was it just the voice of the Lord speaking to you? Was it your wife challenging you? Was it your son? Uh, what what what? Where did that happen? What what was the process that kind of shifted your attention um, in your life? In Louisiana, I would say chase rabbits. I'm not going to chase a rabbit on this question. I'm going to be very precise. I don't know if I've ever personally experienced a miracle in my life that, well, it was a miracle when Jesus Christ came into me and saved me and forgave me of my sins. But a physical miracle. Hurricane hit Louisiana here, this side, and from the back in 2020. Three or four hurricanes destroyed, and include one, come kind of near us. And we do a lot of ministry work. We do it all free of charge. 
Don't charge anybody anything. And during that time, God said, go to California and help with the wildfire victims where their homes was burnt. And I said, why? I said, why would I go to California when we got all this ministry work right here in our own state, in our backyard? And he just kept telling me that. So typical Nathan would have just not went. Um, but coming to that point of being obedient, had no contacts, flew out to Sacramento, went north to Oroville, still had no contacts, couldn't even find where they put them because during the pandemic, they didn't put them all together. End up, found some in a hotel, started ministering there, and while I was there, God broke my heart for the homeless. Being a workaholic and being raised that everything you get, you earn. Nothing's free, no handouts. I'll be honest, when somebody held a sign up that said I work for food, I said, you're a liar because you wouldn't be standing there holding a sign. You'd be working. Just being honest. That's not where God brought me now. So while I was out there, I was walking by this river, and it was calm, slick water. And literally, God healed me from being a workaholic instantaneously, and I didn't ask for it. LaDonna called. She said, how you doing? I said, God just healed me from being a workaholic. She said, how you know that? I said, the light switch went off. Meaning my thoughts of being an entrepreneur and an innovator, the mind always ran. I was always thinking about business, how it could be improved. It wasn't money. Money didn't run me. But being the best and maybe even... Success in a way of accomplishing anything that was a challenge, not failing. But at that point, it was like everything just dropped. I didn't pray for it. In fact, I didn't want to not be a workaholic because I really liked it. I'm good at it. Very successful. I was the first one there, the last one to leave, no matter what it was. If they were in the sewage tank, I was in the sewage tank. Because I didn't want anybody to think that I was telling them to do something that I wouldn't do myself. Nor am I any better than anyone. Being healed from a workaholic didn't realize, but God was preparing me to do ministry, to be a ministry holic, a Godaholic instead of a workaholic. I think some people here would like this anyway. Raising alligators and men with alligators, they might bite, but they don't hurt as bad as people do sometimes. Because sometimes people are pretty harsh. And being a pastor and loving unconditionally. So what we say is love unconditionally, leave no one behind. No matter what, love. So I'm in Belarus and Ukraine refugees. Wait, Russia is fighting in Ukraine. And this guy from Ukraine said, if a Russian soldier come knocked on my door, you're telling me I should feed him and give him water. And I said, that's correct. 
He said, I can't do that. That's impossible. They're taking our city. They're killing us. And they've been raping our children. And I said, I'm not in your shoes. I'm telling you where God has brought me to, and we're all on different journeys. But I believe no matter what the situation is, we don't have to agree with the sin. We don't have to agree with what they're doing. But we are required by the authority of Jesus Christ to love them. Unconditionally, non-judgmental. Being healed from a workaholic It changed not just the way I worked, it changed the way I thought. Because my thought was, you work for what you get. It's just the opposite with God. Grace and mercy, we don't deserve. And you can't work enough to earn it. It's a gift. So in that gift, you come to understand, wait, you didn't do anything to earn it. So there again, I'm not holding on to something that I earned. So it's easier to give grace and mercy to others when it was given to you. Wait, you knew that when you got saved. But as a woman said this morning, knowing it and saying it and the actions is two different things. Are you, act, are you given actions to give the grace and the mercy? When somebody does something against you, give grace. I believe and live by, if I talk negative about another person, you're committing murder. That is very challenging not to talk negative about a brother or sister in Christ. I also believe in fasting and praying. Because if I'm not fasting and I'm not praying, then I'm Nathan. Nathan's going to talk bad about people. But when I'm a child of God, then he gives me the strength and the courage and the ability and the grace and the mercy to say I love you. Unconditionally, no matter what. So why I'm picking up alligator eggs leaving at 3 o'clock in the morning every single day except Sundays. I picked up alligator eggs yesterday morning. I left and flew out on a commercial flight of American, got here last night at 2.45, and even got flight to leave this afternoon. Had two of them to leave this afternoon, one out of Pittsburgh and one out of Harrisburg, but chose we're going to leave tomorrow morning. But why did I come here today? Oh, well, you were asked to come. No. I come because I care and I love you. Enough to leave that to come share what God's done in my life, to share it with you, to share that with others. When we bring unity, forgiveness, grace, and mercy to others, you talk about seeing 
the heavens and the blessings open up in your lives is something that words can't explain to you. But when you change who your parents was and who your friends are and you start being holy and righteous, your life will change and it would be something that you never experienced. And people around you, when they see you, they're going to see sunshine. They're going to see joy. They're going to see peace. 24-7-365. They say, where's all your energy come from and why are you always so happy? The energy comes from within. Because I got two knees that are hurting. I'm getting old. And my wife is working me like crazy picking up alligator eggs. But love life, love yourself. God created you, you, you are a princess. You're a child of God. You're royalty. And don't let nobody tell you any different. And you also, and you. Do you ever thought of yourself as royalty? Have you accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Savior? Yes. Mm-hmm. To all three of you. So God is on the throne. You're his children. And he's a king. So since he's a king, then you're a princess. But your friends won't say that. And maybe other people around you don't. When you start looking in the mirror and seeing yourself as God sees you, pure perfect but what he has in store for you will be something one other people will be jealous and envy but see their actions shouldn't change your heart that's they have to answer for what they do and what they say you only answer for what you say and what you do So their reaction doesn't change my action, nor should it yours. So when they're mean, just love them. When they're maybe even hateful, you just love them. Everybody was like, kill them with kindness. Hmm? Kill them with God. But really, you let God fight the battles. It's not your battle to fight. You see, Jesus loves you, and I do too. And they're going to look at you like you got four eyes and crazy. Like, what? No matter what they say, Jesus loves you, and I do. No matter what they look like, no matter what they're wearing, in that, people will gravitate to see what you got because they're empty and they're living in darkness and they want what you have. You know what? I serve one God and everything I do is for an audience of one. It's not a friend. It ain't him. You know what? It ain't her. And that's my youngest son. In the day, I don't care what they think. 
or what they do. You play for our audience of one, Jesus Christ. You please him. Now, wait. For about 45 years of my life, I pleased my earthly father because I wanted him to be proud of me. I failed. If you set a goal to please your heavenly father, in return will please your earthly father or mother, whoever that might be, and I said, wouldn't chase a rabbit. The Holy Spirit says, say this, so I'm going to say it. We care more about what people think than what God thinks. We, we're all sitting here. We're all standing here. When we change our mentality to care more about what God thinks, you will feel a freedom where Satan's been holding and you dragging an anchor. It ain't your battle. It's his. Give it to God. You will literally walk. You almost float understanding freedom that it ain't your battle. An audience of one. Jesus Christ. Well, it's good. It's good. We are uh, we're supposed to wrap up right now, ten to three, and uh, they're gonna open up the paintball. Um, but in closing, would you just like to maybe pray over us um, as a like that family that you talked about? We're all in this at the same place that uh, that this would we take the ball and run with it, and. And uh, really commit to apply these truths to our lives. And I think that uh, you also have uh, uh, something they can follow, follow Gators and God. Is that available? Do you have uh, some cards or something? So, uh, oh, it's Facebook, Gators and God. Okay. And uh, if you want to, you can uh, follow uh, Pastor Nathan and his adventures, whether he's out in a swamp or if he's under a bridge or in another part of the world. So uh, why don't you pray for us, Pastor Nathan, and uh, we're going to take the ball and run with it. One, I take no salary. I make no money from anything in ministry. We give. We don't receive. Two, he starts on time, ends on time. Our service lasts two hours. Our church service lasts two hours. Um, so we're going to run over a little bit. He can buy the paint by offer during that time quick question Does anybody have a quick question for gators our guide for me personally our business our guide question either i did really good or i did a terrible job anybody sleep wake up yes ma'am how long did it i guess the question is i'm not even sure how to phrase it when did you first hear him say to be a pastor and when did you start great question <laughs> go ahead so i will make it short compared to the other questions three years ago 
the realtor called me and said, do you have any interest in a church building? I said, no. How much you want for it? They said 950000 I said, I definitely have no interest in it. Two weeks later, I'm praying, and God said, offer them 350000 for that church campus. I said, uh, God, they're asking a million, and I don't think they're going to take a third, and I don't have any interest in a church building. He said, offer them 350000 So he told me three times. So that Monday, I met with the lady, and I told her 350000 She said, oh, we got a lot higher offer than that. Do you want to change it? I said, nope. One, I don't want it, and two, I think God already knew that. So on Wednesday, they called, and they said, it's yours. And no interest in a church building. So we're going to do a community center because there's no community center in nowhere near us. So we're going to build a gym there and do a community center. And it just didn't ever jump off the ground. It took a long time to get the concrete poured. Um, we recessed the floor for a basketball court and volleyball. COVID hit, and everything just kind of stopped for our community center. Two years passed by, and on a Saturday, um, we were having a meeting there for this girl to start a Bible study there, and this person walked in and said, when's church going to open? And I said, well, it's not a church, but they're going to do a Bible study. You're a perfect candidate. They said, I ain't from around here, but Grandma wants to know when the church is going to open. And God started convicting me that day. And then I think LaDonna actually had a procedure on Tuesday. All that said, from that Saturday to the following Sunday, but God said we re resurrect the church on Resurrection Sunday. So that was on Easter. It was eight days from the time God called me. To the time we actually opened the church and in that time say again I actually asked brother Devin goes and and has the mission church for 22 years and his senior pastor I called him I said well how do you even go about getting a, a pastor I said I just feel led we need to open a church and uh, he said well why not you I said oh no not me but God kept convicting, and God said, the building's not big enough. You need to add on to the gymnasium a permanent stage and a foyer because the church building's not big enough. And he said that before we ever had the first service even. So... God called me to full-time ministry. God called me to full-time ministry probably nine months before that. I got on my knees and accepted. I just weren't obedient. This time was obedient, and we opened eight days. And I think she said, you, you had no interest of being a pastor's wife? <laughs> Quick. So for the eight days before that, I fought God and was mad um, because it was in a small town and everybody knew us and everybody knew our past. And um, 
I was just like, why God, you know, why, why put us in the spotlight? Why put us with a, an arrow on our back when people are gonna, you know, just give them the opportunity to talk about us. But, uh, I woke up Sunday morning, Easter morning, and God resurrected my heart the same day that he resurrected the church. So, uh, started out with 37 people the first Sunday and we have an average of 200 now in 13 months 14 months clap for God not for anyone else father right now as we come before you as I get on my knees to honor you the king of king the lord of lords father we thank you for your mercy we thank you for your grace father I thank you you sent your son for each person here, if there's only one person on the face of this earth, he would still send his son to die for you. That he cares and loves you that much. Father, we're honored to be here today. I thank you for the opportunity to share what you're doing in our lives. To encourage others, Father, to be obedient. To be more loving. To give more grace. But to understand that you created us for a relationship with you. To spend time with you. Not spend time with all our iPhones and social media and everything else. But to set them down and to spend time with the creator of the universe. So, Father, I know there's individuals here that are hurting. There's individuals here that are going through dark times. There's individuals here, you know what, know of you, but maybe never have had a thirst and a hunger to get to know you. I mean, they've heard about you. They might have even met you at a church service. Well, you saw me today and you met me today, but if we never talk again, and you never see me again, you never hear my voice, do we actually have a relationship? So, Father, I pray that there's a hunger and a thirst to communicate with you, to spend time with you, for you to be our best friend. You know what? There's no other God, no other God that died for you. There's also no other living God. That we would put nothing else before you. But to also come to that point of recognition of us being humbled. Just acknowledging. That a unconditional no matter what love. We can't let you down because we're not holding you up. And there's nothing we could do to make you love us any less. But there's nothing we could do to make you love us any more. Because it's unconditional. So, Father, as we leave here today, I pray just an anointing over each person here. Father, anyone that has an illness, I pray that you would touch and heal and intervene in their life. That they start seeing your presence. As the amount of youth that are here. Father, thank you that they come to Creation Fest. We thank you for the ones that have been putting it on. 
the ones that will be coming tonight. Father, we lift them up that the Holy Spirit just moves throughout. Each youth here has a potential to change generations, to change lives when they step into the heaven one day. There'll be people there that says, thank you, thank you, thank you for that small, insignificant gesture of kindness, of love. Holy Spirit said it, so I'm going to say this. When I was in California, this guy's homeless. Give him an envelope that had a scripture on it. He accepted Jesus Christ as his personal Savior. There was $100 in it. He said, thank you. He called me 30 days later, and he said, I went to a hotel, and I got three nights. I met a guy there that introduced me to a guy that has a business. He gave me a job. He paid for me to stay in a hotel all the way through February. Today, I went and bought me a used car. All because of one kind act of how God multiplies God is not in the subtraction business. He's in the multiplication business. And he desires for us to give action and just give him a moment of our life. And he will multiply it. Abraham, a father of many nations. The dude was already 100 years old. Just think what God can do with your life. So Father, just. Just continue to pour down through this time. Be with each youth minister. That there's a renewedness, a refreshment of a just a aroma. The Holy Spirit would just bring them to where they're alive and thriving. So, Father, we honor you. We praise you with each, everything that we have. We're giving to you today. We're making a commitment to put you first in our lives. That's what time, energy, effort, thoughts, and honoring you for what you've done. And what most exciting is what you're going to do in our lives. We ask these things in your precious name. Amen.